Diplomatica, a journal of diplomacy and society. In the following, you'll hear an interview with Poroma Sinha Palit on her monograph Analyzing China's Soft Power Strategy and Comparative Indian Initiatives, which was published by SAGE in 2017. The interview is part of a new series called Four Questions for the Author and will complement a review of the same title in the latest issue of Diplomatica. Enjoy! How did you get into your field? Uh, it was not until I shifted to Singapore with my husband in early 2008 that I began developing my research interest in China's soft power of attraction. Uh, my interest in the field intensified during our travels to various parts of China and the fascinating interactions that we had and keep having with different scholars and experts many of whom over time have become our close friends. The visits and interactions not only yielded fascinating insights on China, but also revealed little known aspects of the multifaceted engagement between China and India. One such example gleaned from our travel to Tianjin and the Tianjin University of Finance and Economics was the collaboration between the University and the Honey Bee Network of India for patenting grassroots innovation, enabling farmers in both countries to acquire intellectual rights over frugal innovation. I also realized rather early on during my travels to China, the importance of knowing Mandarin for comprehending the real China and the real is within quotes. The motivation was strong enough to spur me on to learning the language, a decision that in hindsight proved most significant as it enabled me to access vast primary sources during the research for this book and engage in conversations with scholars during my fieldwork. As far as motivation for the book is concerned, it stemmed from the lack of academic literature examining soft power from the perspectives of rising players and non-Western powers. The rise of China has necessitated de-Americanization of the concept of soft power. India's strategic elevation and greater reliance on soft power in external engagement strengthens the argument further. Indeed, the absence of literature on soft power from a non-Western and largely Asian perspective is in marked contrast to the copious Western academic discourse on the subject. By the way, this book looks at Chinese foreign policy and soft power outreach till the middle of the last decade, after which we all know Beijing's foreign policy has fundamentally transformed. Question two. What is the structure and argument of your book? Before I discuss the structure of the book, let me just briefly explain the primary objective of this book, which is to study China's soft power strategy from the vantage point of vigorous employment of soft power by a major power in the modern times. 
The perspective is contextually extended to a comparative study of similar strategies by India. The conceptual framework employed is the exhaustive construct of soft power, including economic engagement, given the strong resonance of the notion with China's external engagement policies that include cultural diplomacy, public diplomacy, economic aid, education, and the use of media. As far as the structure is concerned, the book is divided into three parts. The first part has two chapters. The first chapter is a theoretical chapter on which the book is premised and extensively discusses the concept of soft power, the main theme of the book. Chapter two examines the exercise of China's soft engagement from a historical perspective and tracks it down to the present times and discusses certain fascinating concepts. While discussing ancient China's use of soft power in its external engagement, the chapter also illustrates why modern Chinese establishment changed its official policy of peaceful rise to peaceful development late 1990s, early 2000. An authentic identification of modern China's non-military engagement of the world must proceed on the realization that Chinese diplomacy is not merely reactive to the West, but also driven by its struggle for resolving domestic and external challenges for consolidating national stability and economic progress. Imperatives of maintaining high economic growth for providing economic stability to a huge population, accessing critical natural resources, maintaining a stable external environment, particularly in the neighborhood, and promoting balanced relations with major and rising powers are key drivers of Chinese diplomacy. The impact of all these drivers on domestic socio-political stability is undisputed. A benign external image capable of favorably molding international opinions is essential for China in so far as expanding and maintaining its global strategic influence is concerned. Part two, consisting of, of six chapters, does just this. Each chapter analyzes China's soft power reach in a particular re re region and its distinct presence in that part of the world, including the interesting factors driving them, most specifically economics. For example, China's engagement with South Asia has been inspired by its vision of Look West, with a Western development strategy, which we know as the WDS, an integral part of the Look West, aiming to connect the economically backward and landlocked Western region of the mainland to new markets and economic hubs on the West. China's strategic rise, while not matched by any equivalent exaltation on part of India, has nonetheless drawn inevitable comparison with its largest Asian neighbor. Given that both countries are seeking strategic space in their pan-Asian neighborhood and also in regional and global affairs, such comparison is unavoidable. However, 
Despite being compared incessantly with China, India is yet to command a similar global pole. India, while gradually deploying some of the soft tools being used by China for strategic dividends, such as cultural initiatives, public diplomacy, education, and aid, is much different in approach with the pronounced role of non-state actors. Unlike China, it also does not suffer from adverse impressions characterizing it overtly assertive. Nonetheless, benign, non-aggressive impressions on India coexist with negative impressions on the ability of the Indian state to effectively govern and deliver a decent quality of life to its people. On the other hand, India is also largely perceived hands-off and passive in its soft power outreach. Given such impressions, a dynamic foreign policy is expected to face continuing challenges, as does India's efforts to accommodate an equally pronounced role of soft power in the robust policy. Part three of the book essentially discusses India's soft power outreach, particularly under India's current Prime Minister, Narendra Modi. It also charts its evolution in the Indian context while examining different tenets of India's soft engagement strategies. Example, develop development assistance, cultural diplomacy, connecting to the diaspora, and engaging neighbors through the religious threat of Buddhism. That might have contextual similarities with China, though their approaches are completely, dif dis uh, completely different as is discussed in the later chapter in greater detail, in the last chapter in greater detail. The next chapter discusses the non-military engagement between India and China, while highlighting the soft power in initiatives between the two, a dimension understudied and often underplayed. After all, for both China and India, the key test of soft engagement is with respect to each other. Cooperation and constructive engagement, riding on the back of robust economic exchanges, marks a new phase in bilateral relations. The last chapter examines a qualitative difference between the two countries' use of soft power in diplomacy. Notwithstanding occasional similarities which the book has tried to focus, the difference in strategic approaches of the two countries is clearly evident. For example, in Africa, commonly described as a contesting turf for both countries, India's approach is considered distinct from Beijing's more conspicuous commercial and resource-seeking posturing. In fact, India's hands-off approach has avoided India's engagement from being labeled propagandist. The chapter also explores the respective strengths, weaknesses, and peculiarities. While in the case of India, what is visible is the absence of a well-articulated and thought-out strategy for deploying soft power in the larger domain of India's foreign policy, the same emerges a major strength for the Chinese state. These are the aspects the chapter has tried to examine. However, it also needs to be pointed out here 
that China's deployment of soft power has not been bereft of focus on hard power. I also try to juxtapose this contextually in the book. Question three. What is the main historiographical or other uh, intervention of your book? Uh, the book primarily deals with foreign policy and international relations, but it also has a strong historical bent. There are chapters which specifically look at soft power from a historical perspective. For example, chapter two, attempts to study the combination of the his historical and the modern in shaping China's soft power strategy by specifying its evolution from ancient Chinese statecraft. In fact, chapter two extensively reviews China's ancient literature and discusses ideas such as within quotes, culture winning over an enemy and again, quote, I quote, winning a battle before it is fought. Also, the chapter refers to the noted ancient military strategist Sun Tzu, who in his The Art of War opined that it was better to attack the enemy's mind rather than his fortified cities. Confucius' Mencius principles have also been discussed, which equally argued against territorial expansion, even for defensive purposes. Sorry against, argued against territorial expansion, even for defensive purposes. If the people from, and I quote here, if the people from afar would not submit, then it is up to the country to improve and promote its civil culture and virtue to attract. If they come, then steps must be taken to make them contented and tranquil. According to the Confucius Mincius concept of government, there was never a need to possess large territories to enhance the prestige of the state. The historical angle is also explored in the Indian chapter later in the book, where a particular section, historical revolution and religious influence is devoted to discussing ancient scholars like Aryabhatta and Kamandak, who have referred to soft diplomacy, including practice of Sandhi, this is Sandhi is a Sanskrit word meaning peace for achieving progress. In fact, Duta, this is another Sanskrit word for uh, meaning messenger, played a critical role in ancient Indian diplomacy, which the, which the chapter illustrates in detail. Apart from history, culture has also been inseparable from politics, particularly in China highlighting the salience of the context and a prominent role played by state actors in cultural diplomacy almost naturally. In fact, Joseph Nye's emphasis on culture as the core of soft power finds increasing resonance in China's conduct of external engagement and is variously underlined in the book. After all, Culture is not only conspicuous in Beijing's external engagement, but is the third pillar of Chinese diplomacy after economics and politics. It comprises of various initiatives, policies and activities, specifically by government actors for achieving long-term goals of national interest. Interestingly, 
Well, the role and historical tradition of culture in India's external engagement is undisputed. Whether culture has found its way in India's foreign policy as an instrument for securing national interests like China is difficult to establish, largely because such accommodation would reflect the existence of a well-developed strategic culture in India, which, as the American strategic thinker George Tanham argues, might be missing in the first place. Question four. What book on the topic of diplomacy, old or new, has inspired you and uh, would you like to recommend to, uh, to others? Uh, well, I have been inspired by quite a few scholars work working on the subject of international relations, soft power and China and India. The most notable amongst them would be E.H. Carr and his seminal work, The 20 Years Crisis. The next would, of course, be Joseph Nye, who coined the term soft power and applied it in modern strategic discourse. I have referred to his celebrated works like Bound to Lead, The Challenging Nature of American Power, The Paradox of American Power, Soft Power, The Means to Success. Another scholar, who I have followed in developing my own analysis of soft power is Joshua Kulansik. He argues for an exhaustive interpretation of soft power, wider than what many scholars assume, to include anything outside, here I quote him, anything outside of the military and security realm, including not only popular culture and public diplomacy, but also more coercive economic and diplomatic levers like aid and investment and participation in multilateral organizations. His works like Charm Offensive and China Charm, Implications of Chinese Soft Power, have influenced my understanding and the application of the con concept of soft power in my own research. There have been others as well, like distinguished Indian historian Hiralal Chatterjee, whose book International Law and Interstate Relations in Ancient India is again a seminal work on India and studies Indian diplomacy closely. There are others as well like Tanham I mentioned earlier. His work Indian Strategic Thought, an interpretative essay in 1992 has also been a useful source because of its take on Indian diplomacy from a non-Indian perspective. These are important to understand how others perceive India. I could recommend a few books and articles by Chinese and Indian scholars as well. As far as Chinese sources are concerned, I recommend Zhang Fang's The Tianxia System, World Order in a Chinese Utopia. Zhang Jian's China's New Foreign Policy under Xi Jinping Towards Peaceful Rise 2.0. Zhang Wang's Does Beijing Have a Foreign Policy? Ji Chung Zhu's China's New Diplomacy, Rational Strategies and Significance, and Yunling Zhang and Shipping Tang's China's Regional Strategy. After all, the book focuses on China's soft power. And one of the USP of this book is the Chinese sources that I have referred to. I have tried to explore and gather insights from as much of Chinese academic perspectives 
and scholarly research on the subject as possible. On India, I could recommend books like The Argumentative Indians by Amartya Sen, Pax Indica, India and the World of the 21st Century by Shashi Tharoor, and Does India Dance? Contemporary Indian Foreign Policy by David Malone, and Ian Hall and Frank Smith's, it's an article, The Struggle for Soft Power in Asia, Public Diplomacy and Regional Competition, to name just a few. Fantastic. All right. Thank well, you. Thank you very much. And have a great day ahead. Yes, thank you. Likewise. Bye. 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 Bye.